0: Hey, good afternoon. Gabe Diarman, Drew King here. We're going to talk a little Mizzou basketball off-season. We figured, I don't know, it's Friday afternoon. We might have some idea who's on the roster. Be a good time to to get together and do that. Drew,
1: what's going on, man? Nothing much. It's good to be back.
0: Yeah, it's only been uh, like two and a half months. I think the last (laughs) show we did was like the day after... um, you know the the loss to to Princeton, but mm-hmm. it, it kind of hit me when we decided we would do this. I'm like, there are some people that try to do these things like twice a week or every week. I don't know, man. There's not enough to talk
1: about. Like I'm <laughs> I, I'm not trying to just make things up. No, definitely, it would be um, it'd be a little bit of a stretch to do it, but you know, but we're here now, and yeah, yeah. you know, some things have happened in the past two and a half months, and so yeah. we're gonna talk about them. <laughs> Yeah, you, uh, you were here – you
0: came in last year in October and basically had to learn a whole new team in a month. And so year two, hey, it should be easier. You're going to know a lot more about the mm-hmm. players, everything.
1: Year two, learn a whole new team because that's what we do in college basketball. <laughs> come on, come on. So it's it's actually really interesting because, um, like you said, I came in October last year, and you look at the roster and it's it's – Three returners and a whole bunch of new faces. This year, it's four returners and a whole bunch of new faces. And so, um, and I was thinking back to like what kind of the expectations were last season. And looking at how the roster is now, I think it's going to be pretty similar. Like, I I think that it's going to be Mizzou looking for um, kind of this go to guy. And then also seeing like who some of these unknown faces, um, which ones can step up and, and kind of take over the big roles that some of the players had last season to help them get into the tournament.
0: Yeah, and like prognostications and guesses and and all that. Like like I saw today, Andy Katz put out an NCAA tournament bracket, like. there's still a lot of dudes that like we don't know where they're going to be there's a lot of rosters we don't know Kentucky has seven scholarship players right now so like things are going to change you know um I do want to before we get too far into this first of all invite you guys to questions comments whatever you've got um Look, I, I we didn't give a lot of notice on this. I don't know how many people will be hanging out here on Friday afternoon. Hopefully, some of you are out on the golf course or maybe at the lake or whatever. But if you're here, questions and comments are welcome. And um RL was so excited that we got this comment at nine o'clock this morning. So I gotta I gotta make sure we get this on the show first. And <laughs> it's as good a place to start as any. Um, you know, so sad but so thankful for Kobe. Can't wait to see who drafts him and um, as the Tim Duncan Jersey over your shoulder indicates, you are our resident NBA expert. My NBA expertise ended approximately when Michael Jordan retired. And I wouldn't say okay. it was expertise before then, because all I did was watch playoff games. And now I don't even do that. Um, so we know the Spurs are taking Victor Wembanyama with the number one pick. So Kobe mm-hmm. Brown going number
1: two. Is that, is that not, not quite. <laughs> um, so the the feedback mostly on Kobe, right, is he's he's a little bit older for a draft prospect, but that um, he had a really productive year in college last season, and, and guys that do that almost always get drafted. Um, most mock drafts have him going in the early second round. Um, you brought up my Tim Duncan jersey. I think ESPN's most recent mock draft has him going to the Spurs in the second round. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's he's going to go to a team that's – um, looking for kind of a plug and play guy that, that can come in and contribute right away. Unlike some of, you know, the 19 year olds who are um, going to have to fill out a little bit and, and really work on their skills a little bit more to see the floor. So um, yeah, I think that Kobe felt like he was getting or, or hearing the things that he needed to hear to go get drafted. He talked about, you know, wanting, a guaranteed contract. He'll get that if he goes in the early part of the second round. Um, and he talked about finding a place that he can play right away. And if he, you know, goes in the second round, I think that he'll he'll get that opportunity. So, yeah, I think that for Kobe, it was, it was probably the right decision for him because we've talked about if he stayed for another year, um, it, it might not have gone as well for him. So right. if this was his shot to go to the NBA and he, he took it, so you can't fault him for that.
0: And, like, I've seen a few places that have him creeping into the first round. I'm not sure if that's the case. But the interesting part to me is, is kind of what you mentioned. I mean, the NBA is a potential league, right? They, mm-hmm. they have these 19-year-old kids. Like, a lot of teams, especially if you're not in the lottery, you're not necessarily looking to fill a spot. Like, right? they can sit on your bench for a year or two and learn what the NBA is about and all that. The advantage Kobe has, it's a disadvantage in some regards, but it's an advantage in – whoever drafts Kobe Brown, like, they know what they're getting. They're not drafting a guy to find out what he's going to be in three years. This is the player he is. This is what he's going to be. And then it's just a matter of, like, kind of figuring out if he has a position
1: in the NBA. Yeah, and so I think that if he can continue shooting the three ball like he did this past season, um, he's going to find his way onto the floor. Like, there's there's guys who – don't do anything but shoot threes in the NBA. And I think Kobe can contribute a little bit more than just shooting threes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, they'll have like really long careers in the NBA. And so I think that Kobe um, should be set up pretty well. Um, and and I, I think it also goes to kind of um, what his fit would be on a specific team, right? So for a team like the Spurs, um, trying to build around a Victor Wempanyama, you're trying to find guys who kind of fit well next to him at that forward spot. Um, And I think Kobe is a guy that can do that, right? He's kind of thicker for a forward and and can hang with some of the bigger bodies. uh, Like we saw last year where he's playing center in the sec. And so, um, yeah, I I think that Kobe is going to be set up pretty well for going to the pros. I'm not the smartest basketball guy
0: in the world, but I would think, who fits next to a seven-one point guard? Like most people are going to fit next to him, <laughs> I would think. Um, it, look, one one more thing on Kobe, and then we'll move on because people are more interested who are watching this in how do you replace Kobe than, than right. anything else. But it, the popular comp <clears throat> has been Draymond. I think that's a body type thing, largely. Yeah. I heard one in the. I heard one a couple of weeks ago during the playoffs that I really kind of like, and it's a guy who. Like I covered him. I, I didn't cover him, but I saw him play in college and it seems like it's been 15 years ago. PJ Tucker. Like that'd be a, that's a, that's a really nice thing to aspire to. If you're Kobe Brown, I think that guy that like, he's not a big guy, but he's bulky enough. He can go rebound. His jump shot just seems to have gotten better and better since he was mm-hmm. in college. Like, That'd
1: be a, that'd be a pretty good one if you can if you can carve out that kind of career. Absolutely. And like PJ Tucker is 37 or 38 like he has yeah. been playing basketball for a really long time. So that's absolutely something that Kobe could aspire to. Um other comps I've heard are um you know the the NBA scout that I talked to at LSU, he he thought that Kobe body type wise was similar to Jake Crowder. Um who's also had a really long career in the NBA. Um, I've seen people say Grant Williams, who um, is, is a contributor, yeah. on a contending team yeah. right now. So, um, yeah, I, I think that there is a fit for Kobe. Like I said, though, it just kind of depends on um, what team drafts him and, and how they see him playing a role. So the, the big thing for
0: Missouri fans is, like, what have they done to replace him? And the answer is, like, nothing one for one. I I don't see anybody on this team. I mean, and this is not the podcast where we are going to give you a definitive answer about whether Isaiah Mosley is on this roster. Like, I I guess in a perfect world, you hope he would be the closest thing as like the guy you give the ball to when you need a bucket. Does, Does this roster, as it sits right now, without knowing really what Mosley's deal is, like, do you look and see a guy that you say, okay, you're in a fight with Utah State with 12 minutes to go, and you need a guy that can just win you a game over the next four minutes.
1: Who's that guy on this roster? I don't think they have it, personally. I, not at not at the moment, at least. And maybe somebody surprises us. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if Jordan Butler comes out his freshman year and averages 20 and 10, you know, I, I don't see it happening. Well, it doesn't mean it could if he. If he does enjoy the hell out of it. Cause that'd be the only year he spends in <laughs> Columbia, Missouri. Exactly. Um, no, but the issue for Mizzou right now, I think is you're not only replacing Kobe, but you're also replacing Des Moines Hodge and DeAndre Golston, who were your number two and number three scorers. Right. So, um, that's a lot of points that you have to make up for. And so, I don't know that they have necessarily the go-to guy right now, um, but I think they did do a good job of bringing in guys who can um, maybe not like you said, one for one, but in total, maybe make up some of that production instead of having three guys averaging 12 plus you have five scoring nine or 10, you know?
0: Yeah. So, so I look at it too. I think the most likely guy that, I would say, hey, we need a bucket. Go get it. It's probably John Tonje, Mm -hmm. just because of his game and and, and all that. Now, I don't know that he'll be Missouri's leading scorer, but here's the other thing. Like, Kobe had a really good year, but I think we kind of gloss over there were some games where he kind of no-showed, right? Noah Carter had 28 in a game. Demoy Hodge had close to 30 a couple times. Golston was huge. Nick Honor won him a couple games late, so like, I don't think you just have to have. It, it's great if you have a first-team All-SEC player that you go, "Hey, he's our guy," and everything runs through him. But there are other ways to be successful if you don't have that. I mean, did Tennessee have that last year? Um, not no. really. Some days it was Olivier. Uh, you know,
1: Kumar. some days yeah. it
0: was uh, it, it was Viscovi. Some days it was Josiah Jordan James. Like, I don't know that they necessarily had one guy that you looked at and said, OK, game on the line. That's who we fear. But they still had a really good team. So so I think yeah. there, there are different ways to skin a cat, I guess.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, and to throw it back to my days covering Texas State, um, their season ended in 2020 during the pandemic and the school's all-time leading scorer didn't get to come back the next season. Um, Mm -hmm. His name was Nigel Pearson and he was averaging pretty close to 20 points a game for them, um, 2,000 point score um, and and really meant a lot to the team. And so they go into the next year and it it was kind of the same predicament. Like You don't really know who's going to be the go-to guy. down the stretch. And what ended up happening was Texas State had, rather than, like I said, one guy scoring 20, they ended up having three guys scoring 10. Um, And they kind of took turns being the guy on on any given Mm -hmm. night, right? So I I don't know that Mizzou has, like you said, the consistent guy who you know who you're going to in a pinch. Um, But I, I think, like I said, they have enough players who could do that, maybe not every night, but they'll take turns doing it, right? You'll see a big Caleb Grill game. You'll see a big John Tanji game. Um, And so I think that's kind of the solution for Mizzou right now is, um, you know, you just kind of have to develop and and figure out who those guys are going to be for you. And, like, I want to be clear. I'm not trying to minimize what
0: losing Kobe Brown means. I mean, right? if we are talking, can this team win the SEC? Can this team make Missouri's first Final Four? No, I don't really see that. Right. If we're talking, can this team, you know, come close to what last year was? Can this team get back to the tournament? Can this team continue a trajectory for Dennis Gates' program? I think the answer is yes, they can do that without Kobe Brown. I mean, they're not going to be ranked in anybody's preseason top 10, and it would be a huge surprise if they're in anybody's postseason top 10. But Mm -hmm. I'm not sure we're yet
1: at the point with this program where that has to be the goal. Right. Um, And – you know even if it doesn't necessarily reach the same heights as last season where you're winning in the first round that doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna be bad next year like i think this could still be a really good team that makes it into the ncaa tournament or that makes a deep run in the sec tournament so um yeah like kobe brown raises the ceiling absolutely but i don't think the floor has necessarily caved in on the program yet either
0: well and and
1: (laughs) that's the thing about basketball that's just so different is like, look in
0: football, you do have to be good in week one. Cause if you lose in week one, you're in pretty big trouble. You know, in basketball, you just have to be good enough to get, I mean, mean, again, we are only two months removed from Florida Atlantic being a shot away from playing for a national title and from San Diego state actually playing for a national title. And if I Mm -hmm. recall being, you know, within striking distance in the second half of it. Yeah. you know, you just have to get in. And I I think the mistake we make so often is just, okay, well, year one was better than what we expected. So year two has to be here and three here and four here. Like, it's just not necessarily always that way. And again, I go back to like Missouri. A lot of Missouri fans look at a team in 2002 that they made the Elite Eight. Well, they were the most disappointing team in major college basketball that year. I mean, they were they went from preseason number four to the last team in the field, but then they won three games at the right time. Mm -hmm. And then 2000, you know, 10 years later, they have a team that comes out of nowhere, wins 31 games and then loses in the first round to Norfolk State. And people look at those seasons, however they look at them. I mean, 2012 was a better season, but 2002 you know, had had certainly a better ending. So Great. Th- the point is, it's it, it, it's kind of silly to sit here on June second and and draw any conclusions. But this is what we do. And Bradley St. James wants to know what grade would you give Dennis Gates on his off season so far? And I mm. want to say before before we answer this question, Connor Vanover visited this week. If I had to guess, I think Missouri's got a pretty good shot at him. He is not currently committed. He could be committed by the time anybody listens to this, honestly. We don't really know of any other uh, uh, other suitors, but I am saying that just to say we are doing this before we know what Connor Vanover is doing. And we are doing it with the tallest player returning on the roster being Aiden Shaw and the, the most productive big man coming back being Noah Carter. And yes, I realize he is not really a big man.
1: So if I had to base it just on what's happened so far, not bringing in Van over into consideration yet, I would say probably B minus, I think. I was going to go B minus C plus. Yeah. yeah, um, The key reason being, like you said, there is not a whole lot of size on the roster at the moment. Um, You're talking about Trent Pierce and Jordan Butler being – the tallest guys on scholarship for you um, and and maybe Mabor Majak getting minutes again. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I think that that's kind of an even bigger glaring hole as it stands than trying to figure out who your number one option on offense is going to be right now because um, Mizzou was already a really bad rebounding team with Kobe Brown and Mo Diara uh, on the roster. And so with them gone, I don't know how they make up that gap without another seven footer in the mix.
0: Right. So, so let's be clear here too. The, the, and, and I go B minus C plus because look, they did chase Caden Shedrick and they didn't get it. And they did chase Caleb love the first time and they didn't get him. Um, they at least pursued Matthew Cleveland, didn't get him. And, and that happens. You're not going to get everybody you go after in the portal, but there were some guys that they wanted that, that didn't work out. So, that's why – but back to the big man thing, like, yes, it would be awesome if you had added Hunter Dickinson, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that'd be cool. But really the bar is do they add somebody that gives them more than Mo Diara gave them last year? That, that, that's the bar. It's not mm-hmm. do you add a first-team All-SEC guy that gives you 15-9. and nine. It's do you have a guy that gives you more than what Diara gave you last year? If you add Connor Vanover, I think you probably get that, right? Like I don't yeah. think the kid's an all-American, but I think he's
1: a better player at this stage than Mohamed Diara was going to be next year.
0: Yeah, I would I would agree with
1: that. And that's not to say that like Connor Vanover doesn't have his fla- faults, you know. Yeah, yes. Um and, and he's not going to be an all SEC first team kind of guy, but in terms of fit and ter- and in terms of what he's gonna bring you, um, I, I think that he could be a, a pretty significant upgrade at that spot um, for Mizzou. And so I was actually, I was looking at like the guys who aren't in the SEC anymore, Gabe. Um, Oscar Sheewe going in the draft, Colin Castleton going in the draft, Liam Robinson going in the draft, KJ Williams graduated, Charles Bediaco going in the draft, everyone at Tennessee, well, when when know. you say
0: going in the draft like their names in
1: the draft. Yeah, their name's in lot the names of A lot draft. of those guys right. aren't actually going in the draft. But. Sure. Um but but like I think that the depth of talent in the conference at that position is going to be significantly less than it was this past season, right? You still got Tolu Smith at Mississippi State, you've still got Johnny Broom at Auburn, and you've still got Marble at Texas A&M. But um, I I don't see, like, the All-American seven-footers in the SEC, uh, not nearly as many this season. And so I think that that will kind of lessen the blow for Mizzou a little bit. uh, But they still need that kind of guy to clean the glass for them.
0: Like they need a guy who is tall enough to get some rebounds. And yes. Vanover averaged seven boards a game last year. So hey, if he can do that, great. Um and and, and kind of going back to the offseason question, I, I think we also have to understand part of the offseason is Anthony Robinson, Trent Pearson, Jordan Butler. Like mm-hmm. that's your recruiting class. Those guys are coming in. They're all top 150 players. None of them are top 50 players. Um, I don't know how huge of an impact they have next year, but we're talking about building a program and high school, rec- despite what people think high school recruiting does still matter. You still have to get some good high school players and bring them into your system and, and bring them mm-hmm. along. I mean, odds are, yes, probably at least one of those three kids transfers out at some point, because that's, that's just math. Um, But odds are also that at least one of them probably becomes a pretty good player at Missouri. So if you can bring in, three or four top 150 players out of high school every year and then supplement that with three or four kids out of the transfer portal every year,
1: then then that's kind of the recipe going forward. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And, and you know, I, I think that we could see some minutes for those three freshmen, um, kind of like how Aiden Shaw played this year, you know, 10 minutes off the bench just to kind of get his feet wet. Um, and maybe somebody gets a bigger role than that. Just based on, you know, kind of the need that they have in the front court. But um, yeah, I, I think that that should absolutely play a factor into kind of this grade that we're giving. Is that Dennis Gates brought in a, a pretty solid recruiting class from mm-hmm. the high school side of things? Todd says, not really concerned about
0: having a big man, more concerned about shooting the three pointer well. And if well, I've got was... good
1: news for you, Todd. <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. three point shooter. Is.
0: Also, if I was more prepared, I would have the. Why can't we have both Jif ready to go? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, you can, and and again, like, I, I don't think they need to lead the country in rebounding. I will be disappointed if they are 355th again. Um, because, like, one year, hey, whatever, it happens. But if they're 355th in the country again, then that starts to kind of become a trend. And you kind of just go, I, is that just, is that, that what they want?
1: <laughs> you know? yeah so. no um and to go back to van over like he kind of does a little bit of both right he can shoot the three. He's he only shoots like 32 percent, which is a little below average but um he's willing to take but over. not for a
0: guy that's 7-3 it's not below average
1: right that's that's very true okay. no but I, so when you factor that into it i think that you can kind of see how he would fit into a dennis gates type of team where um, he's spacing the floor for you on one end and then kind of protecting the rim at the other. He was second in the nation in blocks last year. So um, yeah, I I think that he would definitely be a difference maker for this team. Not necessarily like we said a world beater, but a difference maker. He'll make an impact.
0: And and here's just what I just keep going back to, and this is not like breaking news. People on the message board have seen me say it a hundred times, but had we done this show 12 months ago today, I would have said, yeah, they'll probably win 17 games. Maybe things will go right. They'll win 18 or 19 sneak kind of close to the bubble. So I, what, what gives you. And part of it is a little bit blind hope and in faith, but. Dennis Gates has been a head coach for four years. His teams have largely been better than anyone anticipated they would be every year. And in his only year at Missouri, every single player on that roster had his best year in college basketball, I would argue. So there is somewhat at least of a track record there that, look, we may not see it. Um, the, The people who evaluate on paper may not see it but the guy has proven to be capable of putting together a roster that's going to win some basketball games.
1: Correct. Um, Actually, I I guess
0: he gets the benefit of the doubt until he proves he doesn't deserve it.
1: I agree with that. Um, I I know some people on our board have done this already, but I was playing around with um, Brad Torvik's roster cast, Um, Mm -hmm. and so he had Mizzou at 65th at the end of last season. Um, right now, as things stand, they're ranked 89th for next season. Um, and if you add Vanover onto that roster, they move up to 73. So that's pretty close to where they were at the end of last year. If you add Vanover and Isaiah Mosley on top of that, they move up to 70, which is like right in the same range. So I think that this team, if it is able to get the right pieces together, um, can can be pretty close to what it was last year. And and that's kind of just the goal for them at this point, right, is is you just don't want to take any major steps backward. Um. Who uh, – well, two things. First of all, are you
0: as surprised as I am that apparently Isaiah Mosley only moves them from 73 to 70?
1: <laughs> I think – That uh, surprises me. I think part of it is they're going off of last year's numbers where Isaiah did not get to play a whole lot. Um, I think that if Isaiah is fully ready to go, like nothing holding him back and gets the kind of role that we thought he was going to get when he first came over here, um, I think that's a pretty big difference. I think it would move them significantly higher than three spots Um, because we've said this before, if you're looking for the number one go-to option, Isaiah can be that guy for you. Um, mm-hmm. He proved he can be that guy during his time at Missouri State. Um, we just don't know if he's gonna be here, though. Is the issue? Right. And, and so, and if he is here, like how consistently? Like how often just, is he? Here? Yeah, right. Um, where Where is here? <laughs> so, I think that's kind of the issue: is that you can't necessarily rely on Isaiah to be that guy at right. this point.
0: Um, the the other thing is that like and, and I left because we do this in every sport every year. We spend like eight months breaking down every possible scenario, and what we never account for is tossing in two forty footers at the buzzer, right? Like mm-hmm. like who's that guy? Where's Dre Golston's last four <laughs> seconds replacement? That's probably the biggest question.
1: <laughs> Correct. Um, I I also you know we talked about how they don't have that many returners coming back. I don't want to like understate how important it was that they got Nick honor and Sean East to come back and really kind of stabilize that point guard position. They, they know the system, they know like how guys are supposed to be set up. I think that'll help a lot for some of the newcomers. And then like Noah Carter too could very easily be the team's leading scorer next year. He, he did a lot of the same things that Kobe was doing, shooting threes, um, shot a really high percentage uh, at the rim last year. So I think, and, and then can't uh, not talk about Aiden Shaw and, and kind of uh, maybe possibly taking a leap forward next year. So I think that the returners, I don't want to overlook them. Um, the, the transfers they got were good, but I think that the guys that they kept were pretty good too.
0: Well, and, and yeah, with Shaw, I mean, it, look, I've, we've been following Aiden Shaw for two and a half years now. And like, it was always kind of a thing. Hey, this is a guy that's going to take a minute. In He's not going to step in day one and be a starter. But year two, year three, you want to see something more. So, like, maybe he can give you four or five rebounds a game. And Noah Carter, the second half of last year, I thought really played good basketball. I mean, Drew, they, this is not an exaggeration. Without Noah Carter in the first half of that game, they lose to Princeton by 35 points. Yeah. Um. You know, I mean, they are absolutely just more blown off the floor than they were without carter in that game so he's a guy that yeah you look at and say does he take that kobe leap maybe not quite that but you know you you can get some things out of him um we've had a couple questions uh jreal 314 and cam are both asking about the schedule first of all it usually doesn't come out until august or september um in full but We know they're playing KU. We know they're playing Illinois. We've seen a report that they're playing Memphis. I can't remember if that game's here or there this year. Um, I think maybe they get Wichita State again. I don't know if I'm making that one up or not. Uh, Yeah, I think
1: that might be correct.
0: Yeah, and then they're going to have – they're doing – is it an ACC-SEC challenge this year, I think, maybe? Oh, gosh. Good question. I know it's not the Big 12 It's not the Big
1: 12 anymore.
0: Yeah, so – so, you know, so that gives you, I mean, if if Wichita State's here and Memphis is here, that's two quality mid-major programs. Memphis is by no definition a mid-major program. KU, Rights game. ACC gives you three high major games. I mean, I think maybe, Max, you're looking at one more, like, kind of name opponent on the schedule. Mm-hmm. And then everything else is you know, the, the Houston Baptists and whatever they filled last year's non-conference. With. The bye games. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I
1: looked it up. It is the ACC SEC challenge next year. Um, okay.
0: So, so yeah, you know, I, I mean the ACC, I guess kind of sucks this sh- now, but I, who, I, I don't know exactly how they do it, but whether, you know, how they make the matchups, like even if the standings say it, I don't think you'd probably get like Mizzou, North Carolina. I, I'm sure it'll right. be Kentucky Duke. I'm sure that's going to be the rule. You know, you're probably going to get like Tennessee, Carolina, something like that. But, uh, you know, Missouri could could add another another name in there. Um, right. And, and and I just think the key is always I, – I know a guy who was responsible for scheduling here years ago, and he always told me the key to scheduling in basketball is to identify the bye games that, yes, you're going to win them, but like, they're teams that are going to finish second or third in these terrible conferences, not the teams that are going to finish ninth or tenth. Because that was what really hurt Missouri's numbers last year was the by games were like, I mean, they were like sub two fifty by pretty mm-hmm. much every metric. So you need to find that team that's maybe it's like one eighty. Like, they're no threat to come in here and beat you, but you don't get hurt by playing.
1: Yeah, the UCF game comes to mind. Um, you know, a team that ended up being pretty good down the stretch and, and even though it came down to a buzzer beater like i think that win was pretty important for mizzou's resume um because I, remember the big thing going into the tournament was they they didn't have any bad losses right um, and, and so what you're hoping for i think out of this next schedule is you also want some good wins in, in, in non-conference um before you See,
0: guys, that's why you come here. That's the kind of insight that only we can give you. Don't have bad (laughs) losses. Do have good wins. Right. You're going to have a good team. Uh, Danny's asking about Midnight Madness. I mean, truthfully, Danny, I don't know. I don't think last year's thing was set till like three weeks beforehand. I I mean, you know, we got SEC media days and fall camp and two-thirds of a football season before we get there. But we're talking basketball just because it's been hot and it is kind of like – these things go in cycles. Um, and right now Missouri's in a basketball cycle where the recruiting in the, the off season talk, people are more excited to talk about basketball than they are about football. So that's why we, we went ahead and, and did a basketball show here and, it, and it's been quite a while. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Is there, we didn't really miss anything. Did we Drew anything, anything out there? I mean, are you just Count down till the nba draft now that's that's your whole life at this point that
1: is that is pretty much it for the moment mm. um i'll have helping victor find a place in san antonio yeah you know um writing letters to pop about like you know tell him i love him and <laughs> um, just,
0: just like keep those like don't post those anywhere on the internet right. <laughs> You
1: yeah. know, i got you No, Um, but no, Ali, you know, I just came back from a couple of EYBL tournaments. uh, So I'll have some more stories out on some 2025 guys that y'all should keep an eye out for. Um, And then, yeah, we're going to be looking at the NBA draft scene where Kobe goes, possibly Des Moines Hodge, too. We didn't really talk about him, but um, there's a little bit of buzz that he might go in the second very late second round. Um, if not, I, I think that he'll end up on a roster somewhere on a two-way deal. Um, so yeah, I think that Des Moys realistically gonna get a shot in the NBA. And see, that's like that kind of is a good place to wrap it up. Nobody would have said that a year ago.
0: Right. right. I mean, I was like, oh, cool, they got this kid from Cleveland State. Like he'll do, I don't know, something here, I guess. And and he ended up being obviously uh their probably their second best player and and now he's on on the verge of Of playing pro ball so uh we just wanted to kind of get together with you guys and uh and and talk a little off-season stuff uh we'll turn this into a podcast if you watched with us live on the youtube channel hit the like button the subscribe button all that if you're listening on the podcast leave us a nice review say good things about us i'm not going to tell you when we're going to do this again i don't know We'll, we'll do something if something happens at some point maybe we'll do it again maybe we'll do a football show with gerard i don't know guys we'll be back uh sometime in the off season, but thanks for hanging out. We'll talk to you next time.